Disappear. 
That was beautiful, you guys. How cool to be a mom and a daughter, be able to do something like that together, huh? Pretty special. Well, welcome, everybody. We're glad that you're here as we gather together to worship our amazing God today. Am I supposed to tap dance now or what? (laughs) Uh, So glad to see you, that we can be together in the house of the Lord and rejoice in his grace and his goodness and his love and his care. Um, You know, we are continuing this series on repentance during the season of Lent, and we're kind of in this little two-week little thing. Last week, we talked about remove, if you were with us, and this week, we're talking about replace. Uh, It's kind of awesome how the Bible knows us so well, and we're going to talk about um, this this, uh, trick that the Bible teaches us, that when we're trying to work on sin or a bad behavior or a thought in our lives, that the best thing we can do instead of focusing on it is replacing it with something else. So we'll talk today about replace and how God has replaced our sin with the righteousness of Christ as well. So glad to be with you. Some announcements before we do that. I hope you're reading your announcement bulletin in uh, all of the worship opportunities that we have in the season of Lent. Uh, Next Wednesday will be our last midweek Lenten service. Uh, And we have a Lenten supper again, if you'd like to join us beforehand. Uh, Information on that is in your announcement bulletin. Also, all of the Holy Week services for uh, Monday, Thursday, and for Good Friday, and for the Easter Vigil, and for Easter Sunday, all of those times and opportunities are printed for you there so uh, you can make plans accordingly. Special notice, make a note that the um, Easter Sunday service at Faith has different worship times. We do 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock on Easter Sunday there. A little different times than usual, but again, that's all printed for you in your announcement bulletin. Uh, So I hope you're tracking along on that. Easter breakfast is also available on Easter Sunday at the Faith site from 7 until 10 a.m. You can stick around for Easter breakfast. And Mr. Mike, who kind of coordinates our Easter breakfast, said we could do one here at Celebration, but we need four volunteers, adult volunteers who want to step up and help with that. So if you're interested in helping us put an Easter breakfast together here, uh, we'll need four of you to give, give Mike a call and he'll uh, hook you up for how we can make that happen. So stay tuned for that if we get our volunteers. All right, all that being said, it's time to worship our amazing God together today and we'll begin with the song Rejoice. So would you please stand as we rejoice. Gratefully 
hearts for confession with this next song, Jesus, I Need You.
Jesus, we so desperately need you. Hear our confession, and in your love, pour out your grace and mercy to all who repent. And now together we pray in repentance. Heavenly Father, we know we cannot save ourselves from our sin. In love, you sent your Son, Jesus, to die for us, to take the sin of the entire world to the cross. Jesus, we need you. Forgive us for all the wrong that we think, say, and do. Forgive us for failing to do the good we know we should do. Help us to be an example of your love that others would see you shine through us. Hear our confession, Abba Father. Well, the good news is he does hear our confession. And not only does he hear, but he answered. He did what we couldn't. He sent his son Jesus to live the law perfectly, to die for us that we might be forgiven and have eternal life. It's my joy as one of your pastors to remind you again how loved you are and how forgiven you are in Christ. Go in that love and that forgiveness now and always in his name. Amen. And now let's confess what we believe about our amazing God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit today in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Let's stand as we boldly confess. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and sit third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated as we sing about how we will follow this amazing God of ours.
right, for our children's message today, I'm just going to have you stay in your seats, everybody, because it's kind of like an adult and a children's message, what we're going to do today, right? So I don't know if you can see from where you are up in the front, but I have a polar bear here, a picture of a polar bear. And do you know that there were some pretty smart people once that did an experiment about polar bears? Well, it wasn't really about polar bears, but here's what they did. They said, here's what I want everybody to do. Don't think about a polar bear. Whatever you do, don't think about a big white polar bear. And whatever you do, don't look at the big white polar bear picture. All right? So this is what I want you all to do, right? For the rest of the children's message, I don't want you to think about a polar bear. Don't even put it in your head. Don't have a big white polar bear pop in your head. And whatever you do, don't look at the polar bear picture. All right? This is the plan. Well, they did this experiment, and they actually came up with a theory. You ready? It's called the ironic process theory. You can look it up. It's a legitimate thing. The ironic process theory says that the, hardest you, the harder you try not to think about something, the more you will think about it. Has anybody looked at the picture yet? All right, keep focusing. Don't look at the picture. Don't think about that animal that lives in the cold up north. Don't think about it. The more you think about it, the harder it is to not think about it. The more you try not to think about it, the harder it is to forget it. That's the ironic process theory. See, I know this works another way. One time, my wife, who was a teacher, made some chocolate chip cookies to bring to school the next day. She made all the cookies, and she put them in her little Tupperware thing and set them right there on the cupboard, right in the cupboard, right there in the kitchen cupboard, and said, don't eat any of those cookies because I need to take them to school tomorrow. So guess what I kept thinking about? I know I wasn't supposed to eat the cookies, but the more I thought about not eating the cookies, the more they just called out to me, eat me. I couldn't stop thinking about them, right? See, I knew it that if I kept not trying hard not to think about them, I never would be able to. So here's what the Bible, the Bible knows this thing, this, this ironic process theory, and told us there's a better way to stop thinking about something. So like, let's say that there is a thought in your head or a feeling that you have that's not good. It's like maybe you're angry at someone and you really kind of feel like you hate them, or maybe you want to get even or you want to hurt them. Maybe you've got a thought in your head that you want something that you know you shouldn't have and you can't stop thinking about it. Or maybe it's a behavior. Maybe it's something that you know you shouldn't do and you just keep trying really hard not to do it, but you still keep doing it. See, maybe the Bible says there's a better way to stop that than trying so hard to stop thinking about it. But instead, the Bible says we need to replace it with something else. Here's a verse I want to share to you from Philippians chapter 4. It says, my friends, fill your mind with those things that are good and that deserve praise. Fill your mind with things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and honorable. That's what the Bible says we should do, to fill our mind with good things. And guess what? If our mind is full of good things, then what will there not be any room for? Bad things, right? 
That's the replacement theory of the Bible, right? Fill your mind with good things so that the bad things will go away. So how do you fill your mind with good things? What does that mean, right? What could you do, fill your mind with? Fill your mind with prayer? Fill your mind with thinking about how much Jesus loves you? Fill your mind with reading and studying his word? Fill your mind by doing good things for other people? See, this is the way we can stop sinning, stop a bad habit, stop thinking about things we shouldn't, not by trying really hard not to, but by filling our mind with good things instead. So let's try and see if we can do that in the future, right? Do our best to fill our mind with good things so the bad things go away. What's over here? Don't look at it. Don't think about it. Instead, let's fill our minds with worship, shall we? Thank you all. Well, let's fill our minds with the Word of God. We'll start with Romans chapter 12. This is also going to serve sort of as the text that we'll use for the message in a little bit. St. Paul had these words about replacing, getting rid of bad things and replacing it with these things. He said, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. And do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this is the word of the Lord. And now we turn to the gospel of Jesus' own words and teachings from Matthew 16. And since these are his words, please rise in honor to him. From that time on, Jesus went on and Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, 
But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. You might want to pull out your little purple outline in the, uh, your worship folder as we work through the Word of God today. And um, you see, we're going to talk about this replacement theory a little bit. Last week, we were talking about removing, and today we're going to talk about replacing, what we put in there instead. And I have a theory that should scare all of you. I have a theory. I have a theory that when we do that, when we remove all of the sin and brokenness and all of that in our lives, and we replace it with some of the godly, wonderful things that we heard about from Philippians chapter 4, when we do that, we're going to find ourselves living in Oddville with peculiar people. Do you know that there is really a city in, called Oddville in Kentucky? Oddville, Kentucky. And there really is a city peculiar in Missouri. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I think we're going to try and get at today this idea that when we live the way God wants us to live, replace um, sinful worldly things with godly things, we're going to look a little odd. We're going to look a little peculiar. In fact, I wrote on the top of your sheet, your outline, it seems to me that Christians today have developed a unique ability, and it's not a good ability. It's not a good thing this unique ability to blend in so well with the rest of society that it's hard to distinguish us from the rest of the world. Barna is this great research organization that does you know, surveys and research to pick up on trends and what people are doing or thinking in the world. Barna did a survey about 20, excuse me, 19 lifestyle activities about how people practice them, if they do these things or not do these things, how often they did them. And they found a shocking statistic. They found that in these 19 lifestyle activities, things like what kind of movies do you watch? Things like do you use profanity? Things like do you view sexually inappropriate material on the internet? You know, things like that, behaviors in our life, in our world. They found very little difference between believers and unbelievers. It was shocking, right, how the behavior of folks who are Christians isn't really that noticeably different than the behavior of everyone else in the world. You know that's not an okay thing, right? You know that's not a good thing, right? If we look like the rest of the world, something is wrong. And you know why? Look at the two verses I printed on your outline. From John 15, Jesus said, if you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. But you do not belong to the world, for I have chosen you out of the world. And then St. Paul said in our text, Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. See, God's plan is not for us to blend in with society. God's plan is that we are pulled out of society, that we are different from the rest of the world. That when society, when the world looks at us, they might think that we're a little odd 
and a little peculiar, right? Because we are called out of the world. So let's talk about Oddville, shall we? Oddville, Kentucky. Do you know how it got its name? In 19, uh, excuse me, in 1799, uh, they formed their city and the post office told them that they had to uh, have a name that was unique. So they chose Oddville. That's how they got their name. It was unique, Oddville. So Oddville, the reason I think we could live there is because we're not to be normal. We are to be abnormal. We're to be a little odd in the eyes of the world. We're supposed to live by a different standard. We are set apart from the world. And this isn't something new. It has always been that. From the very beginning, God's people were to be set apart from the world, right? Think about this in the early Bible, the Old Testament, the early times. While the rest of the world was practicing polytheism, you know, worshiping lots of gods, God's people were called to worship one God and one God only. And all the rest of the nations looked at the nation of Israel and said, that's really odd, right? While all the other nations were requiring the sacrifice of a firstborn child in order to please their gods, right? The nation of Israel was told, don't sacrifice children. The example of Abraham and Isaac was a beautiful example that we are not to sacrifice our kids. And the world looked at Israel and said, that's really odd, while other religions are left people just to deal with their own sin, right? Uh, the nation of Israel was called to turn to God for their sins so that he could remove their sins. While other religions say that life has no meaning, there's nothing beyond death, God said, trust me, I will forgive your sins and I will prepare a way to eternal life. And the rest of the world said, that's odd. See, from the very beginning, God's people were called to live in Oddville, to be abnormal, <laughs> to be different than the rest of the world. Do you see? Now, how about peculiar? Do you know how peculiar Missouri got its name? This is even better. They, in 1858, uh, sent in a name for their new city, and they chose the city name Excelsior. They wanted to be Excelsior, Missouri, but unfortunately, that one was already taken. So they wrote back another name and a third name and a fourth name and a fifth name. All of them were taken. So really, again, you can get on the, uh, the uh, peculiar webpage for their own city and find this story. They, the, you can see the letter they wrote. They sent a letter to Washington, D.C. This cracks me up. And they sent this letter. They said, we'll take any name. Just send us a name that's a little peculiar and we'll be happy. And so what did our government give them? Peculiar Missouri. See, they learned an important lesson that never ask the government to give you a name or actually anything for you, right? Peculiar Missouri. Well, why do I think we are to be peculiar or why would it be good for us to live in peculiar? Because we have a different set of rules and we serve a different master. I mean, because we have a, a, a different set of rules, we believe that life, the most important rule of life what is it? What, I bet you know. The most important rule of life for us who believe in God is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We believe that matters more than anything else, loving God and loving neighbor. That is the, the rule that, by which we live and arrange our priorities in our lives. And the world looks at us and go, that's peculiar, right? It's different, isn't it? 
One of my favorite uh, uh, theologians, uh, he's a devotion writer, Francis Chan. He had this great quote. He said, do you know that nothing you do in life will ever matter unless it is about loving God and loving the people he has made? Right, just let that sink in. See, this is what we believe because if we love God with heart, soul, strength, and mind, love our neighbor as ourselves, nothing in life matters unless it has something to do with loving God and loving the people he makes, that he made. See, we're peculiar that way, says the world. Not only are we peculiar about the rules we follow, but we're peculiar about our master. We believe that there is one God, and this one God is the one who determines truth for us. This one God is the one who makes these rules for us. He is the one we serve. He is God, not us. He makes the rules, not us. We believe he has revealed to us truth, and that truth is available to us in the Bible, the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. And because of that, we believe that whatever the Bible says is right, even if it doesn't make sense to us. Whatever the Bible says is true, even if I don't agree with it. Whatever the Bible says is true, even if it doesn't agree with the Supreme Court or what people on the streets say or what we read on our social media posts, we believe that it's true because God is our master and he makes the rules and we seek to follow those rules. And the world looks at us and goes, you believe that old, ancient, dusty book is a book to live by? And what do we say? Yes. And they say, that's peculiar. You should live in Peculiar or Oddville. So do you see my point in this kind of silly thing about living in Oddville or with peculiar people, right? We are called to be different. Point C under peculiar. Why are we peculiar? Because we look at the world with different eyes. We believe because God is in control that even though things seem to be spinning wildly out of control, we have the, the audacity to believe that God still got this. We believe that God can turn a bad into a good. We believe that God is working through the difficulties and the challenges of the world in which we live today to do good things. We believe that with God on our side, we can change the world. We believe this, don't we? And the world says, that's peculiar. I want to give you just one example to close with. I was blessed this week to be able to spend time with, um, with uh, two pastors from the city in Guatemala that we've been supporting and caring for and loving. And many of you have uh, sponsored some of the children there. And I was talking to Pastor Lucas and Maritza about some of the amazing things that God is doing there in El Oregonal. It is incredible. Uh, so many kids are coming now and they're, they're getting meals and they're getting vitamins and they're seeing these little malnourished children now become healthy and strong and starting to grow again. But you know what? We knew that, that we were gonna do that. Here's some unexpected things that have been going on that they talked about. When the mothers would bring their children in for meals and the mothers would bring their children in for, for the programs for the kids, guess what the mothers would do? they would sit off in the back and the side. Well, Maritza uh, decided that she would start a mother's group. And that mother's group has now spun into seven separate groups of mothers who are now gathering together to learn the word, to be encouraged and strengthened about how to raise their children, right? Amazing. 
But you know what spun out of that that really shocked them? Every once in a while, a dad would show up. Not as often, because there's this a cultural thing that's going on there with dads and all of that, right? But every once in a while, a couple of dads would show up, and now they even have a couple of dad groups that are started. And families are starting to come together and go to church again, which hasn't happened there before. So do you see, you and I, who knew that God would take what we're doing in our prayers for El Oreganal, our support, our sponsorship of those kids, and he would use it to change the world, to make this world a better place in the kingdom of God. So you see, people will look at that and go, that's peculiar that you think you can change the world? And we say, yes, because God is on our side. So friends, we're not called to blend in. We're called to replace the sin, the brokenness, uh, the behaviors in our life, replace it with godly things. And even when we do, the world will say we live in oddville and peculiar, but we're okay with that, aren't we? Because we know we're serving the Lord and he is doing great things through that. God bless you then as you remove, replace, and enjoy your time in oddville and peculiar. Amen? Amen. Well, let's say thank you to our God now for all that he has done for us and given us with our offerings. I want to thank you for your giving. For those of you who are participating online tonight, you can see on the screen that ways that you can uh, join us in our mission uh, to make oddville and peculiar, not so odd and peculiar in our world. So uh, thank you for joining us in that as well.
we bow our heads to speak to God in prayer. Oh Lord, it's true. As we just saying, you have called us higher. You have called us deeper. And our desire is to go where you'll lead us, even if that's to oddville or peculiar. We pray, God, that we'll never shrink away from standing up for your truth. We'll never shrink away from replacing what the world says is right. Instead, we will stand strong and replace it with your truth and your word. And we know that when we do that, God, you will use that to change the world, make this place better. So thank you, God, for knowing that you are at work through our oddness and our peculiarness. Lord, we also know that you have instructed us by your holy word on how to treat others. As we heard in our gospel lesson, even our enemies and those who persecute us. We pray, Lord, you would lead our enemies and those who hate us to true repentance and help us to forgive all those who have wronged us. By your spirit, help us to take up our cross and follow Jesus' example of loving others, even our enemies. Gracious Lord, we know that you have provided us all with special callings and convictions in our lives. So help us to understand how you desire each of us to utilize our gifts according to your will. By your spirit, guide and direct the way in which we use the time and the talents that you have given us. Gracious Lord, we also know that you have gifted us with families, families to be the foundational unit of our society. We pray that you would guard families in these days that you would guard our homes and protect our families from Satan's attempt to break up and destroy the significant relationships in our lives. By your spirit, help us to show love instead of anger and replace all bitterness with reconciliation. Gracious God, thank you for providing a way to everlasting life when our bodies wear out. Comfort all those who mourn the recent loss of a loved one. We think today of the family of Bob Agason and the family of Mark Drager as they mourn their loss. Replace their grief and fear with wholehearted trust and devotion to you. And by your spirit, comfort all who mourn with the glorious hope of the resurrection and eternal life. Gracious God, sometimes our bodies get torn down by sickness and disease. And we need you to strengthen us and restore our body, mind, and spirit. Today we entrust into your loving care those who are suffering physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Today we pray for Pam Bartell, Sadie Bodenbach, Bill Van Elzen, Jerry Reichert, Jennifer Klein, Edith Krieger, Cheryl Brown, Heather Witzke, and the many others on our ongoing prayer list. According to your gracious will, grant them healing, restoration, and wholeness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, grant them peace in knowing that you are by their side every step of the way. And now, Lord, into your hands, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy and your promise to hear us for the sake of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we join together in the prayer that Jesus himself taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now, my friends, as you go out into Oddville and Peculiar, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.